Hello, everybody, and welcome to 2021's episode four of the Eric and Ryan show. Um, we haven't recorded in a little bit, so we thought we would put something out today just to talk about general conditions and overall observations and in, in uh, global picture and and of course the um, the micro picture. Um, before we begin, Ryan, is there any agenda you wanted to have us focus on, or should we just talk about what we're witnessing? Uh, I think the the most timely thing to start with would be the uh, the Archegos or Archegos, whatever you want to call it, uh, fund uh, liquidation that uh, made its way across all different news outlets. Um, for those of you that might have not been following, uh, Archegos was a ten or fifteen billion dollar fund. It's kind of unclear uh, how big it was, and that took on quite a bit of leverage. Uh, it's rumored to be five times. So uh, think of it, if you had $10 billion in cash, you have $50 billion in investments. Um, and when certain, amount of, certain amounts of uh, requirements aren't met, some of the brokers will sell you out of uh, your positions in what's called a margin call. And this is uh, the largest margin call from a single fund in history. Uh, which we know has scared people in the past or has led to some uh, pretty bad uh, market performance uh, when funds go belly up. So kind of spooked investors a little bit, uh, hurts some specific stocks a lot. Viacom, CBS is the poster child. It fell from 100 to 47. Uh, And that's the news headline. Uh, As it pertains to our clients, there's not much spillover. Um, the, the fund, the strategy that was in question was a very concentrated uh, strategy to begin with. So maybe 10 or 15 stocks comprised almost uh, the entire portfolio of names. And that's why certain names were crushed and other names went unscathed. Because uh, in some cases, it was two or three times the normal volume or 10% of the market cap of a single company. Uh, people might say, "How did how did the banks let this let this happen? How did they get away with this?" Well, uh, it's, it's twofold. One is, uh, you know, clearly the banks extended too much leverage to uh, an investor that is thought to be one of the best investors of all time, uh, Bill Huang. His fund started at 100 million; it's worth 15 billion now with no outside assets. It's pretty good performance, uh, but two. Uh, the, the the way in which he was accumulating these positions is thought to be through various different esoteric options and swaps and, and things of that nature. So he had a ton of exposure, but not a ton of actual stock. Um, so, uh, but again, doesn't really worry me uh, for our clients. I think you know banks will get a slap on the wrist for this. I think that it'll cause heightened scrutiny over some of their lending practices. Uh, but overall, the overall picture, I don't think, uh, really spills over into the broader markets. That is, um, unless it, it turns out this is much worse than it was. Uh, but a couple of the banks avoided some pretty big losses. And uh, it, it looks to be a non-issue for anybody that didn't own 
a handful of stocks. Anything to add? I think the bigger thing here is not so much that he was levered that much or that he had positions that um, were concentrated. These are things we see all the time. I think the bigger issue is this is something we are seeing a lot of in the overall market, Um, not just rich, smart guys, but, you know, I think there's been a little bit of mania in certain areas of the market. And when you experience a a stock dropping nearly 50% in a few days, you kind of scratch your head. How could a high quality name uh, drop that much? And I, I think we're, you know, starting to see a lot of the prior, what we would call Momo or momentum winners, um, names that you don't, you know, ordinarily associate in the last year or two with pain start to really break down. And, you know, I think, I think that that's sort of an indication of this theme that we've had this year, which is a, uh, seems to be a flight towards more quality names that have more reasonable valuations away from that winner take all dominant tech kind of company or winner take all overly valued, um, position. And, um, so it doesn't surprise me that we've seen, you know, I wouldn't classify CBS as, as one of those kinds of names, but we are seeing a lot of breakdown in, in you know, some of the other positions that he, he was, was in would, would be described uh, as you know, high flying momentum tech names. Um, and, you know, we have seen a, a decent breakdown in a lot of these um, tech, tech exposure, uh, tech sector exposure names that, you know, historically, you know, the sky was the limit. And thinking back to like 2000, 2001, um, you know, I think valuations are, and, and fundamentals are much more reasonable now than they were back then. But, you know, we did see these kinds of fluctuations back then. I would say that it's, you know, very interesting right now. We've had the 10-year bond, which we addressed on our last uh, podcast, hovering at the 1.5, 1.55 uh, range. And now today we're at 173. And that hasn't caused... Although if you only own momentum and you only own tech names that um, would be described as overvalued, you have had a painful couple of weeks here. But if you own some of you know, the higher quality areas of the market, you wouldn't have even noticed that there's been this you know, decent breakdown in, in, in certain pockets of, of, of tech and, and healthcare and other areas. Meanwhile, you know, some of the more boring areas of the market have done very well you know, in the value space and in the cyclical space. So um, we're impressed. I think we were saying to each other today, Ryan, we've been impressed by the fact that the 10 year has gone up. It's gone up to more than where we were last month when we talked. It continues to go up because of reopening and fundamentals in the economy getting better. And yet you have not had a breakdown in the market, although it might feel like for some investors that have some momentum exposure. It has been a little bit of a breakdown, but other than that, if you focus on quality, you did pretty well the last couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, cybersecurity and software and uh, solar and and Tesla, um, they're all down 25% or more. Um, So you've had a significant repricing in some of the better performing equities. And uh, obviously 25% is trivial compared to their uh, meteoric rises right and for that we see in the last two three four years and even last year alone right um 
Zscaler was was probably a seventy or eighty dollar company last year, and it went up you know two x in in seven months. Um, and Zscaler is a company a lot of us own. And while we still like it, we knew that at two hundred and twenty dollars, you know, the valuation is a little stretched. Now, you might say, why didn't you sell at two hundred and twenty dollars? Because we believe in it long term, right? Uh, so we were expecting repricings, and in the bond market. The ten-year bond was one percent last year. You've had a seventy percent rise in the ten-year bond. That's a that's a significant repricing in the market. And all you've seen is tech fall ten percent and the the rest of the market rise. To me, when you have regi- regime changes that you barely notice, if you just again, I, I like to use the term, you close your eyes and you wake up. So if you closed your eyes on uh, December 31st, 2020, and you woke up at the end of the first quarter, which is tomorrow. Uh, we're filming this on uh, 3.30 or Tuesday, March 30th. Um, you would say, oh, the market's up. Uh, what is it up, Eric? Five, five-ish percent, six yep. percent. Uh, yep. Must have been a good year. And then you can look and see a lot of moving parts. And that's something that I think is, is positive for the markets. It's good when uh, – the names that are doing well take a breather, but the rest of the names pick up slack. And that's something we kind of talked about, uh, what was that, around September of 2020 when we said, you know, valuations are at their extremes. I think it was five names made up 22% of the S&P 500, uh, which was the biggest uh, on record. And that was before Tesla was even added to the S&P. Um, and we said most of the time what happens is the rest of the market catches up. There's not really a, a downward repricing of, of the leaders. Um, and that's what we're seeing. We, we've seen FANG relatively flat over the last six months, even despite massive amounts of stimulus and very resilient business models. Uh, and then we've seen names like uh, Goldman Sachs or, or any other bank up 40 50%. So, um, I think the market functioning, something that I think, Eric, you and I have complained about behind the scenes a lot, uh, is getting better, actually, not worse, uh, because you're seeing healthier uh, dispersion, right, Uh, which is always something that active managers prefer. Um, Passive managers might prefer uh, less dispersion, more concentrated performance, right? And, of course, that means investors in the index right or or large based indices might prefer they don't really care how they get the performance but uh, people with balanced portfolios where they're not banking on one or two positions to deliver all of their performance are uh, probably you know pretty satisfied through quarter one yeah and i think there's a bipolarism to this to the to the market environment which is you know we were in love with a lot of these names in later part, you know, post-election 2020. And then just as the 10-year bond started to rally, um, all uh, all of that love affair was lost. And all of a sudden, stocks like Valero double and a half and stocks like Walgreens are up 30%. And I find it very hard, although we do own Valero, we do own Walgreens, I, I find it very hard to, to see how that love affair or that bipolarism plays out. There, there isn't, you know, a valuation cap on any stock, but I do find it hard to believe that those that are willing to switch into cyclicals um, from from some of the non-cyclicals or from the, the you know, tech tech area, healthcare area, um, you know, all of a sudden throw caution to the wind and just start making the Walgreens of the world trade like 
momentum stocks. I, I don't see it being that sustainable. And we have seen numerous times when it looks like the, the growth momentum names are stalling and the value names are waking up. It looks like that's sustainable. And what winds up happening, Ryan, is the growth names become value names and the value names become growth names. And then there's this ultra, ultra shift. I think we were right in the shift this year from growth to value. But now I think what I would kind of hang my hat on is, is value is acting a little too much like momentum without fundamentals behind it to support that momentum. And momentum is acting like value with fundamentals to support um, its, its future rise. And, and I, I don't think we can ignore some of the, the drops that we've seen recently um, at all. And, and I, I think I'm encouraged that, you know, the overall market, hasn't suffered a major breakdown. Keep keep in mind, the thing that defined the hate uh, relationship, not the love-hate, but the hate relationship of investors with the post-financial crisis bull market to the you know ending of that bull market in 2020, March of 2020, were these stealth corrections within certain sectors. So healthcare would sell off, and then tech would sell off, and then um, energy would sell off and then tech would rally and energy would rally, but you never really had a broad based correction that defined, um, you know, the whole market going down. And that led to the financial crisis bull market, post-financial crisis bull market being one of the greatest bull markets of all time, if not the best, Ryan, did it, did it become the best or? I believe it came, it, it was the best. the best. And then about, about three days later, it became the, it became worst, the worst bear market of all time. It was right. great. <laughs> All, all within like a few days, right? So I, I would just say that I actually kind of like the fact that we can look at the Dow and see the Dow up 300 points on a day and see the NASDAQ down. I like that we can see the NASDAQ up a percent and see the Dow down. I like that they're not moving together because what that means is that there's friction and that there is not a broad-based feeling that everything is going up. Everything deserves to go up. Everything deserves to be repriced. You kind of need there to be bifurcation for a, a, for a sustainable longer-term bull market, which is the bull market we had for 12 years that started in 2009 and ended, 11 years that ended in, in 2020, and restarted two weeks after it ended in March of 2020. Right. Right. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. You said, you know, not everything needs to be repriced. It's, it's good when there's repricing happening in both ways, uh, which I think uh, we're seeing uh, even a stock like Broadcom, which we've, we've mentioned probably too many times on this show. Um, in one month, it's been around mellow. That's Eric's dog mellow. I'm not, re- um, I'm not re-recording this and we're too far into it. So just keep going. Let's go with it. Broadcom is a name where it was $490 on March 1st. It was $420 on March 8th. It was $460 on March 17th, $480 um, on Friday of last week. So the 19th, it was $460 two days ago, It's $482 yesterday, and it's back to $454 today. And, so there's and nothing a lot of fundamental, people. nothing fundamental, nothing. Fundamental right. There's no news, no anything. So there's clearly people that are positioning themselves. And uh, to us, that's an opportunity. And I know that's a word we use a lot, opportunity. But um, that's how we like to think of ourselves as, as opportunistic. And um, for a while, 
per Eric's point, um, you would never see it that kind of, that was all in 30 days. You would not see 30 day price movement in a high quality name, stable balance sheet, uh, that's termed growth. Um, and I think that the fact that we're seeing that means that there's a market, right? That's what makes a market. Some people want to own growth. Some people want to own value. Uh, and then there's people that want to decide between, uh, the two, right? Um, so I think that's these. These are all good things. Uh, functionality seems to be at its best in um, a short short time, right? Uh, it seems like the rising tide and the boats, you know, rising tide lift all boats might not be uh, might not hold true, which I welcome with open arms. And um, yeah, I think that's uh, that, that's really my my. And, and let's not forget. Let's not let's not forget. Right, it is much better to be. And I've said this a thousand times. I'll say it again. It is almost April 2021 versus where we were a year and a month ago. Right, we didn't have. Forgive the phrase. We didn't have a pot to piss in in terms of anything relating to the virus. Any any view on what the Fed would do, what the federal government would do, what the leadership response would be what the mortality rate of this thing was, um, what it would mean for this type of business versus that type of business. No one knew anything, right? And here we are 13 months later with a little bit of worry on inflation, a manageable rise in interest rates, a decent and healthy correction of um, not a tremendous magnitude, but decent but healthy correction in names that we find compelling a wake up in names that we've owned for a while that are finally starting to do well, it's a pretty good position to be in. It's not Goldilocks, right? We always talk about, you know, not too hot, not too cold. It's not Goldilocks. There's still things to worry about. But I, I, I think I would choose April 2021 versus March 2020 versus uh, 2008 versus some of the moments we had in 2011 any day of the week. Yeah, let's just look at consumer confidence year over year. Um, bear with me for a second. Today, it was clocked in at 109.6, which is, I believe, the highest since – it's definitely the highest since uh, March of last year, but um, it's probably even – it probably – that record probably predates uh, even 2017, 2018. Uh, I believe last year it was – in sorry give me one second in in april of last year i believe it was 50 okay so that's a that's over 70 is good uh under 70 is bad 50 is terrible 110 is really good um so to your point it's just a better place to be in um i'm not worried about the direction of the equity markets i think that all of the risks on the table right now are known and quantifiable. I don't know uh, if the virus is going to reappear at different magnitude. I surely hope not. Uh, but I think that, again, you're looking at a pretty good setup, a very easy uh, monetary policy uh you're talking about potentially more stimulus in the form of infrastructure. Uh, one thing that I think, Eric, uh, you said last year was there's a finite amount of things we can worry about. Um, right now, I think equity investors are worried about the here and now. Uh, we will address 
other concerns that we have around stimulus when the time comes, but I don't think that that time is anywhere close to to now. Uh, we've had trillions of dollars being pumped into the system for the last 13 years and inflation hasn't budged. So, um, you know, paying for the debt, what happens to inflation? When all that happens, we'll, we'll have a, a good answer for it. Uh, but for the time being, we just need to focus on on what the market is giving us and, and the market being both obviously the stock market and the, the just the market of, of, I guess, the Fed is its own market at this point uh, and what they're doing. Exactly. Um, so I think that's I thought, it. I just yeah, wanted it was to a good one for quick. today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we have our letter coming out shortly. Uh, and then hopefully we'll get on another podcast soon. Uh, obviously, we have earnings season coming up, so hopefully our next podcast will be something about what we're seeing from the earnings market, yeah. uh, and then that should lead us well into uh, Memorial Day, believe it or not. So we're already uh, a quarter through the year, uh, and um, much better first quarter report this year than last year, I'd say. Yep, and with that, I'm just going to read the spoken disclaimer, and we'll get out of here. Uh, talk to everybody soon. As an investment commentary is limited to the dissemination of information pertaining to Pinnacle Associates Limited and general economic market conditions. Nothing contained herein should be construed as personalized advice or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell securities. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and there is no guarantee that the views and opinions expressed in this commentary will come to pass. Pinnacle is neither a law firm nor an accounting firm, and no portion of this commentary should be construed as legal or tax advice. You are advised to consult with several separate legal or tax advisors with respect to any legal or tax advice. Pinnacle is an investment advisor registered with the SEC. For information pertaining to the registration status of Pinnacle, please refer to the Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website at www.advisorinfo.sec.gov. For additional information about Pinnacle, including fees and services, you can arrest our written disclosure statement as set forth on Form ADV Part 2A. That's it. Great. All right, everyone. Have a good week. Um, any questions? Questions at pinnacle dash or hyphen ny.com ny like in new york uh look forward to hearing from you guys and uh we'll speak soon